Amen. Amen. I, I am really excited for uh, what God's going to do uh, through this brother. And um, I'm going to ask you to just be supportive with him as he comes and he engages you. Um, God is just building a good team. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm excited about it. Uh, I was sharing at the business meeting. It's nothing but the grace of God that would earn us. I don't know if earn is the right word, but afford us the right. Would you say that, Pastor D, to have such a uh, influential and powerful person to be a part of our team. So restoration, get, get ready, all right? Amen. Get ready, get ready, get ready. Like he said, he's a man of few words, but he delivers and he makes things happen. Grab your Bibles if you have them with you and go with me to the book of Mark. Mark chapter 11. I want to read a few verses and then we're going to talk and allow God just to move and have his way. Mark chapter 11 um, and jump down to verse 12. I want to read verse 12 through 14, then we're going to jump over to verse 20, then we're going to pray and allow God to have his way, amen. You guys doing all right this morning? Amen. All people in Cyberland are doing all right. If you're on Cyberland, make sure you type, type in those chats. You can say amen, even though you're online, you say amen in that chat room, right? And just let God have his way. Let me read. I'm reading from the ESV. It says in verse 12, on the following day, day, when they came from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. And he said to it, may no one ever eat from you again, and his disciples heard it. Jump down to verse 20. As they passed by in the morning, they saw the fig tree withered away to its roots. Let's pray, and then we're going to go to God's Word. Father, we thank you for you as we're about to go to the Word. Open our hearts. God, bring to remembrance the things that have been inputted within me, Lord. And as I say every Sunday, God, let me only say what you want said. We want to be a church that you would have us to be. We want to be a church that's effective. We want to be a church that's bearing fruit. So Holy Spirit, speak through me to your people, God, as you've already spoken to me. Now speak through me so your people can hear and we would make the adjustments and we'd be about our Father's business. So we give this time to you that you would bless and have your way. It is in your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. Now do me a favor before we jump in the word. Turn, just dance over at the person to your left or right. And if you find yourself online, do the same thing. And say this to them. Say, neighbor... Inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. <laughs> yeah. Now point to yourself and say, self, inspect yourself. Now say that yourself with emphasis. Inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. <laughs> Amen. Self-inspection is very, very important. Here's what I learned this week. I don't want Jesus to show up and inspect Felix and then he has to correct me because I knew what was in me that I wasn't addressing. You kind of get what I'm saying? And I waited for him to come because when he shows up to do the inspection and the correction, it's normally not a pleasant picture. You kind of get it? So if we're ahead of the game, inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. Amen. This text that's in front of us this morning really begins in verse 1 of chapter 11, and it kind of 
It's centered around Jesus' triumphal entry for the last time into the city of Jerusalem as he was to go through his last days. So as we look at the text that's in front of us, um, he is nearing, Jesus is nearing the end of his earthly ministry and is really about to make his final, I'm going to say, earthly journey into the city of Jerusalem. Now, for those of you that were good Sunday school people and know this story, uh, you understand quite well that it was prophesied that he would enter Jerusalem riding on the back of a colt. Y'all know this. And so as the story would have it, he sends his disciples ahead of him into the city, and he, he, God had sovereignly and providentially positioned a colt just for this particular situation, just for this particular scenario, so the needs that Jesus had would be fulfilled. So we find in verses 1 through 10 the narrative surrounding that. But upon his entry, when Jesus finally rides this colt into the city, you know the story. They were shouting Hosanna. They were putting palm branches on the ground. They were putting their cloaks on the ground. But the, the important thing that I want you to understand that sets up the passage that we're talking about is he goes into the city, and then his, his first stop is the temple in Jerusalem. He stops, first of all, at the temple of Jerusalem, and, and he does a survey, if you will. He goes around and he looks. He goes into all the varying courts, the outer courts, the inner courts, the most holies of holies. This is just me helping you get a visual of what happened. And he explores, he analyzes, he makes some observations, he makes some mental notes, and he sees what's really happening. And then the story picks up by saying, it was late in the evening, so he decides to take a retreat to this little town called Bethany. Now, once again, those of us that are familiar with the Bible, we understand fully well that Bethany is known as the town of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And being that Jesus had a relationship with those three, it is safe for us to assume that he no doubt spent the night at their home. Come on, y'all. He no doubt went there with his disciples, he got something to eat, he got an opportunity ref to refresh himself, and he relaxed and he spent some quality time there. Now, if you know anything about the order and the will of God, notice I said to you, he made his entrance into Jerusalem, he goes to the temple first of all, he studies what he sees in the temple, it was late. He goes to Bethany, he's hanging out at the home of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and I'm the guy that will say to you, what he saw in the temple probably bothered him such that he no doubt lost a lot of sleep. I'm going to say amen. And, 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 and here, here's what I want you all to know is that, that the next day now he wakes up, no doubt agonizing, no doubt processing, no doubt wondering what he saw in that temple. Because if, if you read the story, um, you will notice that in verse 15 on, it speaks about what was really going on in that temple. Just to give you a little preview, they were selling and they were buying and they were conducting business. Come on, y'all know the story. There was some stuff happening there that didn't look like a worship experience. Come on, y'all, because that was the context within which he said, my father's house shall be called a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. So imagine this. He goes, he sees the temple, he goes and he retreats, and you've got to understand, for the entire night, Jesus is processing what he just saw. He is, he, is, he is going through this in his mind. He is not resting. He's probably troubled. He's probably bothered by all of this. And so the next day, no doubt, 
agonizing over what just happened the previous day, the text says he leaves Bethany. And Bethany, that word Bethany can be translated or is known sometimes as a house of affliction. So, so here's what this could look like. He left being afflicted. And then he makes his journey back into Jerusalem. Now, strikingly, as we look at the text this morning, we notice that when he makes his entry now back into Jerusalem, the Bible picks up the story by saying that he became hungry. If you look at verse, I think that's verse, verse 12 says that as he left Bethany on his way back, he was hungry. Now, I'm the guy that's going to say to you that hunger was no doubt symbolic. Why are you saying that, preacher? Because assuming he stayed at the home of Mary and Martha, you know you wasn't going to Mary's and Martha's house and not get something to eat. Oh, y'all talk to me. Come on, come on. Let's, let's be real. The hospitality that they had. Y'all know about the busy one, right, that was cumbered about with much serving while one sat at Jesus' feet and the other was always in the kitchen doing stuff. So when Jesus showed up, she no doubt took care of him. So I'm going to say to you, his hungry hunger probably was not literal, though it could be, but I want to present the argument that it was probably more symbolic than it was anything else, right? And, and, and he's hungry and, and his, it's symbolic because it's symbolic of his desire to address what he just saw in the temple. So he was anxious, he was excited, he had a sense of hunger about that to go and address the situation that he saw in the temple. Now, given Jesus' demeanor, given how he was feeling at the time, given what he encountered at the time, there's five simple things that I want to share with you from this text that I'm hoping that will help us as a ministry to be a better body of believers, to be a better church, to be better individuals as it relates to what God would have us to be. And the first thing I want you to see, if you track with me, is that just like how Jesus found himself hungry, the church of God should always maintain a state of hunger when it comes for the things of the kingdom of God. I'm going to say that again. As a people, as a church, as a body of believers, we should always maintain a sense of hunger when it comes to the things of the kingdom of God. Here, here's what I do when I get hungry. I satisfy my need. You kind of get what I'm saying? And, and if we are not in a constant state of hunger for the things of God, we're going to miss the move of God, and we're going to be misjoining God in his work, and we will miss doing what God wants done in the earth realm. Now, as you look at this text, look at the text. Look at what it says in verse 12. It says, on the following day, he came from Bethany, and my Bible says, verse 12, and he was hungry. Come on, say Jesus was hungry. Say it again. Say he was hungry. Now, I'm going to say this to you. There's nothing accidental or there's nothing incidental when it comes to the providence of God. Everything God does, he does sovereignly and he does providentially and it's orchestrated by God. So the fact that Jesus had previously surveyed the temple, right? And, and the fact now that he is heading towards Jerusalem and the fact, listen to this, that he sees a fig tree in the distance that was positioned strategically and the fact that Jesus is about to encounter or engage this 
fig tree to meet his need is indicative of the truth that he wanted to teach his disciples two object lessons. And I think he wants to teach you and I today the same lessons that he wanted to teach his disciples, right? So here's what he does. He goes to the tree. And, and number one, he wanted his disciples to learn the importance of Israel bearing fruit. Come on, say, Jesus wants us to bear fruit. I'm going here because here's the thing. It's not an accident that a fruit tree, a fig tree, he sees it off in the distance and he diverts and goes to the tree to meet the need. He wants them to understand, number one, the importance of bearing fruit. And secondly, he also wanted them to understand the consequence of fruitlessness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see, it's not enough that we, we, we bear fruit. When we don't bear fruit, there is a consequence of fruitlessness. You kind of get what I'm saying. And, and, and he wanted his disciples to learn that. And I need to say this to you and I today. Yes, we are in a pandemic. And yes, the way we do church has been redefined as a result of the pandemic. But hear me, fruitlessness is not an excuse because of the pandemic. I wish I had somebody in here. You kind of get what I'm saying. Though we may change our modality, though we may change our methods, though we may change the vehicle through which we do what we do, it is not an excuse for us to say to God, we cannot be fruitful because a virus showed up. I wish I had somebody in here. The pandemic doesn't excuse us from gathering for worship, whether you do it at home or whether you do it in the body or where. Come on, I want y'all to hear me this morning because some folk figure because we can't come in the building where we could not for a while that we put an X on the wall next to church and we've got some folk that haven't even said a prayer to God since the pandemic began. Y'all help me this morning. Fruitlessness is not an excuse because of where we find ourselves. The pandemic doesn't prevent us from spreading the gospel to the lost. If Jesus shows up today, there's not going to be a counsel or a lawyer that pleads a case where, Lord, you can't send folk to hell because of the pandemic. There was a pause. God's going to say, no, 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 no. I wish I had somebody in here. The gospel must still be propagated regardless of where we find ourselves. Do I have any witnesses in the building this morning? Regardless of our current situation, the word of God must still go out. I'm trying to tell you this morning, inspect yourself. Before Christ inspects you. Come on, does this make sense? Uh, have you been saying because of? Come on now. And Jesus is still hungry. I wish I had somebody in here. He is still looking for a need to be met. And the question is where are the people of God? Where is the house of God? So church, if we're going to maintain a sense of hunger for the things of God, for God's kingdom, here's the second thing. And I want to drive this point home. And I said this over and over again. Let's learn to inspect ourselves. Here's my second point, and it's really the big idea of the message. Inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. Come on, say it with me again. Say self. Inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. Look at verse 11, and just, I mean verse 13, and just the top part of verse 13. Notice what it says here, verse, verse, verse 13. And seeing a fig tree in a distance, in leaf, don't miss that. And seeing a fig tree, seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to see if he could find 
anything on it. Now, look up at me. There is nothing more frustrating than driving on the interstate and your gas tank says 10 miles to go. And then you see a sign that says the next gas station, 10 miles. And you pull up and the lights are on and you go to the pump, but then it says no gas. There's nothing more frustrating. That's been my, I know, y'all ain't never been through that. Come on. You guys are just good people. When your tank hits quarter tank, you go fill it up. You know, disciplined folk. Nobody drives home on E. <laughs> None of y'all don't do that, amen. None of y'all never had to go to Kmart and buy a gas can. Or <laughs> nothing more frustrating than that, right? But then when I look at the text, when I look at the text, Jesus was hungry. And then he looks in the distance and he sees a fig tree, and let me stop here, in leaf. Now, here's what you need to know about this historically and culturally. In, in, in the back in the day, in, in, in Palestinian culture, here is how fig trees produce. Early March, late April, the trees will create this bud on the end, right? And it would create this fruit-type thing on the end. And then after the fruit shows up, listen to me, then the leaf will follow the fruit. You get me? And then if the fruit stays on the tree long enough, by the end of May, early June, the fruit will ripen, then you can eat the fruit. Now here's what would happen in Palestine. If a traveler were traveling during that time frame between, um, what's it, March, April, and they saw the tree, they would go and, depending on their hunger, they would grab the fruit, and there was argument on whether the fruit tasted nice or not, but they would eat it and they would partake of it because it would satisfy, satisfy the need that they had, right? So the bottom line of what I'm trying to communicate with you, in Palestine, if you ever saw a tree in leaf, it was guaranteed that the tree had fruit on it because the leaf, I mean the fruit, preceded the leaf. Come on, y'all say amen. So, so notice Jesus, right? Here's Jesus. He's traveling and he's hungry and he sees a tree in the distance. He sees a gas station with the light on. <laughs> and he goes to get something from it, right? He goes to conduct an inspection and, and when he gets there, he doesn't find what he's looking for. Now, this is a very, very important parenthetic that I need to make because if you were to say to me, what was it that attracted Jesus to the tree? The thing that attracted him was the fact that it had leaves. Are you with me? The leaf said that since I follow the fruit, if you show up to inspect me, I wish I had somebody in here, at minimum, you're going to find fruit on me because the fruit precedes the leaf. Now, 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 the tree, it looked like a fig tree should look, right? But it was not producing what a fig tree should produce. The tree was calling for an inspection because the leaf said, I am a fig tree, right? I am a fig tree who has what you need. So come on and inspect me. Come on and check me out. But when Jesus got there, what was being advertised was not ready to, for deliverance. I wish I... Let, let me go here. Let me go here. Y'all help me with this. From a distance, the tree looked good. 
You get it. It looked beautiful. It was well-dressed. Come on, y'all. It seemed ready to produce a service. It seemed mature. It looked like it had it axed together. Matter of fact, I, if I was there, I'd say to the tree, if the tree had any sense, it would have inspected itself before it allowed Christ to inspect it. If it had any sense. I'm trying to communicate something to us this morning. You see, that was the problem with the Israelites. That was the problem with the church in Jesus' day. Notice he makes it to Jerusalem. And the first thing he did, he goes into the temple and he inspects the temple. He looks at the temple and on the outside, it looked like a church. But on the inside, it wasn't doing church stuff. I wish I had somebody in here. From a distance, the Israelites appeared to be the people of God. God, but when he got close, all they were doing was showing off leaves. I wish I had somebody in here. From the distance, the temple looked like a holy place. From the distance, it looked right. From a distance, it seemed all right. The sign was welded. I wish I had somebody in here. All the ministry seemed to be in place, but when he showed up, Talk to me this morning. Talk to me this morning. Talk to me this morning. They had business operations going in the church. Are you with me? They were selling turtle doves and they were selling sheep. Come on. They, they, they had a money laundering business going. Y'all not talking to me this morning. In the church, come on. They were selling animals instead of praying for people. Y'all not hearing me this morning. They, they, they were defiling the temple and preventing people from accessing God. It looked good from a if anybody had any sense, they would have told the temple occupants, inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. Church, listen at me. Be careful of things that look good in the distance. Are you? Yeah, yeah. Be careful. You know, y'all know I have a, a BMW fetish. And I have these old things that I collect and I try to restore them. And I had a 19, I have a 1987 528. Yeah, I love my baby. And I made the mistake of taking it to get painted the other day. I want to look good. So for me, I would always just open the garage, look at the car, and say, yeah. Close the garage and I walk away. Just want to make sure it was there and nobody stole it. But when I took it to get painted, the guy stood back and he said, oh, she's a beauty. And I'm like, yeah. But then he walked up to it and he started looking. And I'm like, what you looking at? That's a beauty. And he looks back at me and he said, don't you see all the hail damage? It looked good from a distance until he started to inspect. Oh, y'all not good. <laughs> and in the inspection, you kind of get what I'm saying? He saw all the deficiencies. So here's me. Things that look good from a distance requires a closer look. 
Are you hearing me this morning? Come on, I want you all to get, to get this with me. You see, a lot of Christians have calculated their relationship with God from a distance. In other words, you come to church every Sunday, and, and you do, but, but, but a closer look really defines or declares or, or determines your relationship with God. We look good on the outside, but the question is, what's really happening on the inside? Are we producing? Are we bearing fruit? Worship team, I'm going to be a while, so y'all hang tight. You know, I, I want y'all to hear this. I want you to hear this message. A closer look reveals that we are not doing what God has called us to do. Point to yourself, say, self, inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. I'm being real this morning because I can say I love God all, and I said this last week, but if my lifestyle, come on, if my service, if I'm not committed to God, if all I have is words but no action, if all I have is what I say without transformation, when Jesus shows up to inspect, what will he find? Will I just be showing off leaves? Talk to me this morning. I'm almost there. Here's the third thing. Part of inspecting ourselves before Christ inspects us, be careful of advertising what you can't deliver. Listen at this. Let me read this. Y'all ever heard of Manili Vanilli? Am I getting it right? Did I get it right? Y'all, y'all, y'all know that one? They were a German-French R&B duo from Munich, right? The group was founded by Frank Fabian, in 1988 and consisted of Fabian Morven and Rob Pilatus. They had a debut album, All or Nothing in Europe, in Europe. And it was configured as Girl, You Know It's True in the United States. And it achieved international success. And these jokers won a Grammy for Best New Artist. Y'all remember that? In, in February 21, 1980. And they became one of the most popular pop, act, pop ask, uh, acts in the late 80s and the early 90s, right? Millions of records. However, their success turned infamy when it was discovered that Millie and Vanilli didn't actually sing the songs. <laughs> you know, they just master lip syncing. Advertising what they couldn't deliver. <laughs> look, at, look, at, look at verse 13. And seeing in the distance a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. And when he came to it, watch this, he found nothing but what? Come on, say nothing but leaves. When Jesus gets to this tree, I'm going to press through this, right? Instead of finding fruit, he discovered that the fig tree had nothing but leaves. Now, here's the thing. Leaves are symbolic of those external things we do that have no life-changing impact. But it makes us look good in the eyes of man. Okay, I want you to say, okay, fruit, on the other hand, is symbolic of those ministry opportunities that brings glory to God, not the individual. You kind of get what I'm saying. Let me go here. Let me go here. Let me help you out with this. Fruit spiritually edifies and, and strengthens the body of Christ and God. Leaves make the individual feel good and look good. Fruit is a vehicle used by God to lead 
somebody's to Christ, leaves is all about me. Let me help y'all with this in case I'm still losing you. And, and, and worship team and, and JB and crew, I'm not talking about y'all because I know how folk can get in church. If, if I sing a song and I'm waiting for folk to come up and tell me how good I sung and how good I sang, I'm just showing off leaves. It wasn't about fruit. Y'all not hearing me this morning. If I preach a message and I'm waiting for you to say amen, everybody's shouting, but nobody's getting saved. I'm just showing off leaves. Y'all not hearing me this morning. If all the church is doing is having church and we've got all kinds of ministries, but nobody's getting baptized, nobody's getting saved, all we're doing is showing off leaves because we have no fruit. Y'all not hearing me. If I come to church every Sunday morning and I shout myself silly, but I don't tithe, all I'm doing is showing off leaves. There is nothing spiritual about me. And Jesus is not inspecting for leaves. He's looking for fruit. We got a whole lot of folk showing up at churches because of the leaf. And when they get there, there's no fruit, no depth, no content, no substance. Oh, but we had church today and I go home and I'm still shacking up. I go home and I'm still sinning. I go home and I'm still doing all the crazy stuff. You're just showing off leaves. Y'all forgive me this morning, but this word is hard on my heart. Because we've got too much leaves in the church of God. And he's not looking for leaves. I'm trying to say, RCF, we got to inspect ourselves. Are you hearing me this morning? Inspect ourselves. Before Christ inspect us. You kind of get it? Because I should check to see everything I do. It. Am I looking for the amen? Am I looking for the you look good? Do I get dressed so you can compliment me? Come on, talk to me. Is it about fruit or is it about leaf? When he walked into that temple... Don't miss this. He saw the money changers. He saw the swindlers. He saw, you, you've got ministries that validate their credibility on how, what kind of ministries they have. How many folk are in the choir. How many ushers they have. How many people in security. But ain't nobody getting saved. That's nothing but leaves. Nothing but leaves. Talking about how we, we, we function in excellence. We got, but ain't nobody getting saved. Nothing but leaves. Christ is not looking for leaves. Let me ask you something that God asked me. When was the last time you led a person to Christ? Me first before you. You get it? So am I just showing off leaves or am I bearing fruit? I should always have a hunger for the things of the kingdom of God. And I should constantly inspect myself before Christ inspects me. Does this make sense? And here's the other part. If I can't deliver, I better stop advertising. That gas station with the light on that no, they ain't got no gas. They ought to turn the sign off. Folk that are singing and nobody getting saved, they better stop singing in the church. 
folk that are preaching and ain't nobody, lives are being transformed. You might as well go ahead and shut it down because you're just showing off leaves. So here's what he did. Watch the story. He goes into the temple and he takes a whip out and he got to whoop in that behind. Turning tables over. My father's house is not a leaf place. <laughs> it shall be called a what? House of prayer. But you have made it nothing but a place where you show off leaves. Girl, we had a good time at that musical. Was your life transformed? <sighs> Jesus. The tree had integrity issues. It was perpetrating, pretending to be what it was not. We ain't got no perpetrators in here. That's the church down the street. You get, are you guys getting this? Are you getting this? Inspect yourself. Inspect yourself, right? Before Christ inspects you. I'm almost done. Two more things. The, th the fourth one is this. Preparation always precedes production, right? Notice, notice, notice verse 13. Watch this. And seeing the tree in the distance... Seen in the distance, a fig tree and leaf, he went to see if he could find anything on it. When he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for it was not the season of figs. If I'm that tree, and I know it's not my season, leaves, you better shut up. <laughs> Preparation precedes production. Here's how Ecclesiastes, y'all, y'all, before I go, let me say, back in the day, some of y'all too young for this, back in the day, there was a famous wine slogan by Paul Mason, right? And don't ask me how I know about that, amen. But it, it was a wine man. They would advertise, they had an advertising campaign. Here's what the campaign said. We will sell no wine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. <laughs> That's the VP of the board, y'all. <laughs> but you got it, right? You got it. Why is it in the house of God, let me stick with the metaphor, we want to sell wine before our time. Why is it? Listen to this. The response to the call is a response to preparation, not a response to do. The reason I mess up when I do is because I'm functioning out of season. I hear the voice, yes, but my life is still jacked up and I don't take the time to prepare myself to get it right. You kind of get what I'm saying? And when I step forth in ministry, you wonder why people see leaves? It's not because of God, it's because I have stepped out of season. Here's Ecclesiastes 3. There's a time and a season for every activity. What? Under heaven, we know it. There's a marking parenthetic in the text. Mark says clearly to us, hey, fig tree, cover your leaves up. It's not your season. Jesus is going to inspect you, and you're going to fail. You wonder why people fail in ministry? Stepping out of season. You get it? The season of figs was not yet. This is the inspection. I check myself to see if I'm thoroughly and adequately prepared 
for God to use me. And in my self-inspection, if I see lying, I'm not ready yet. If I see fornication, I'm not ready yet. If I see adultery, I'm not ready yet. If I see homosexuality, I'm not ready yet. Come on, talk to me this morning. I shouldn't be in a hurry to show off myself because all I'll be doing is showing off leaves. I wish I had somebody in here. And when Jesus shows up to inspect, he's going to see the things that I have been ignoring. It's not that I didn't know it wasn't there. I just ignored it because I didn't want to see it. My old BMW, I knew it sat outside, but I didn't want to see what was wrong with it. So I just looked from a distance. Yeah. But that paint guy, he forced me, come see. Hear me. Don't let Jesus force you to come see. <laughs> preparation first. With ministry, I'm gonna say the last thing. There's a time for preparation. And there is a time for production. So wait your turn and be inspecting yourself while you're waiting. Here's the last thing I want to share with you. Fruitlessness carries grave consequences. Look at this and then we're going to stop. Verse 14. And he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again, and his disciples heard it. Then verse 20, jump all the way down verse 20. And they passed by in the morning, and they saw the fig tree withered away from its roots. Don't miss that. Withered away from its roots. I don't know much about gardening, but Katani and I over the years have been trying to plant trees in our yard. And we'll plant some trees, and um, here's how we test them out. I don't know if this is the right way to do it. We'll see the leaves sometimes fall off, and then we'll go up to the tree, and we'll take the tip, and we'll break a branch. And if we bend it, and it doesn't break, we will, you'll see this next week, we will nurture the tree because it hasn't died from the root yet. But if we bend the branch and it breaks, we'd be like, dang, it's dry. And then we go closer to the root and we bend, they keep breaking, breaking, breaking. And then we'll realize that this tree will never produce because it has withered from the root. You get it? The text says, this tree wasn't coming back because <laughs> the root was gone. I wrote this so I don't mess it up. Your inability to succeed in life may not be due to your giftedness, but your lack of fruit. Could it be that you're under a curse because of too many leaves and no fruit, and Christ is not finding what he wants in our lives? I wonder sometimes. Inspect yourself before Christ inspects you. I've seen some of the most gifted people, ineffective, raggedy lives. Y'all know this. I'm singing to the choir. Sharpest business people, 
can't get it off the ground, can't get going. Most effective ministries can't get things going. What's going on, right? So the challenge, Restoration Christian Fellowship, and I wish you all were at the business meeting this past Wednesday to hear how God has been gracing us, how God has been blessing us in spite of, how God has been doing some awesome things. I said to our board, and I said to Brother Wayne, we don't deserve for God to give us a gift like this, right? We don't deserve for God to give us a gift like you, a gift like we have in our economy. We don't deserve that. We're in a pandemic, and then you're watching churches close. You're watching pastors wither away. You're watching people give up because they don't know how to. We, we don't deserve that. It says we're doing something right. So my challenge to every person in here, inspect yourself before Christ inspects us. And hear me, we're after fruit. We're not interested in leaves. We're after fruit. Come on, worship team. Father, in the name of Jesus, you're wonderful. You're gracious. You're merciful. You're kind. Thank you for the lesson in this pericope. Thank you for the lesson in this passage of Scripture. Thank you, God, for how you've been gracing Restoration Christian Fellowship. And not only this church, I don't want to sound self-serving, God, but all the other ministries in this city, God, those that have been able to maintain their door. The challenge this morning is not leaves but fruit. So we've got to inspect ourselves. You're looking for, you're coming back for a holy church, a church without spot, with spot, without wrinkle, without blemish. You're coming back for that. And so Holy Spirit teaches to be more like you. We bless you for what you're doing. We bless you for who you are, God. Let us be a holy people, God. A people called by your name to do what you have called us to do. And God, if there's one that's listening this morning, that heard your word, God, draw them back to our relationship with you. If there's one God that says, I need to repent of some things, let them repent, God. If there's one that's saying, God, I need you, I've been blown, I've conducted an inspection and I've seen the spots, I've seen the blemishes, I've seen where I've been failing you, allow them to repent. We give this to you, God. Bless your holy name, God. In Jesus' name. Do me a favor, stand if you can. You go to D flat real quick and try something crazy. Y'all stand. If y'all know the thing, say, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. Merciful and mighty, merciful and mighty. God in three persons. God. 
in three persons. Blessed Trinity. Blessed Trinity. Sing that one more time. Holy, holy worship with us. Holy, holy, holy. Merciful and mighty. Merciful and mighty. Early in the morning. Early in the morning, our songs shall rise to thee. Holy, 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 merciful, come on, merciful and my God in three persons, God. Verses, come on, say, God in three persons, God in three persons, God in three persons, blessed God, we want to be holy. We want you to find leaves in our, I mean, fruit in our lives. We don't want you to find leaves. Fruit, God. Fruit. So as fig trees, we covenant to produce what you're looking for. So we maintain a hunger for the kingdom of God, Lord. We will always inspect ourselves before you inspect us, God. We will do that, God. We'll do that all the time. And we'll make sure that if we can't deliver, we won't advertise. We understand that preparation always produces production because we don't want to suffer the consequences of fruitlessness. Forgive us for fruitlessness. Forgive us for fruitlessness. We covenant to produce fruit. It is in your name we pray and thank you. Amen. Amen. We're going to stay right here. God bless you all. Thank you for worshiping with us. Those that are watching online, thank you for worshiping. If you guys get a chance to say hey to Brother Wayne, just give him an elbow bump. Let him know we're going to stand with him. Let him know we're going to make this together. Don't forget May 7th for prayer. Register if you have not done it. God bless you all. We'll see you next week.